You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. It's going to be kind of awesome. It's going to be a little bit different than what you guys are used to at Chi Alpha. Um, it's going to be a little different than what you're probably used to in church too. Uh, but just to kind of set the groundwork before we get into what the main point of tonight is, I'm going to share with you guys a little bit about where I came to this uh, conclusion, where this um, activity that we have for today uh, was spawned out of. So as you guys know, my wife and I weren't here at Chi Alpha last week. We were in Omaha at the Light Conference, which is the staff version of SALT. So the Great Plains staff from the entire Great Plains gets together, and we have basically a SALT, but for light but it's called light. Sorry. And uh, they have various sessions, just like they have at, at SALT. If you guys have been to SALT, um, it's your typical conference. There's worship, there's sessions, there's um, small breakouts where they teach on specific things that if you need to learn something in this specific area, you can go to that breakout. And then they bring everybody back together for a big, huge session. Um, one of the big, huge sessions uh, was specifically about vision and how important as Christians, not even Christian leaders, not even small group leaders, not even uh, being in any kind of authority at all whatsoever, just as Christians, how important it is that we have a vision for the future, for our future. Now, that's not saying that we need to have every single detail of our lives planned out because scripture actually almost points against that, um, that we're supposed to plan for today and be mostly concerned about today. However, we need to have a vision that we have asked God for and we've received from God for our future, specifically. How important it is for us as Christians to have that kind of vision. Now, once you're in a position of leadership or authority, whether that's through uh, small group leadership or whether that's through uh, school leadership, as a leader, it becomes even more important for you to have vision specifically concerning that area you're leading and even more so for ministry. And that includes our staff, that includes our small group leaders, that includes Cordy and I. <clears throat> While going through this session, it became very, very clear to me that the one thing I feel like I have been missing as the Chi Alpha director is vision this year. This year, you guys know everything's a lot different. If you guys have been here for a couple years, the group's a lot smaller. We don't have worship this year like we used to have a full worship team. Um, we used to have five or six small groups, and right now we only have one male, one female small group. A lot has changed, and I'm not saying change is good or bad, but the thing is about the vision for Chi Alpha, the, the ultimate vision for Chi Alpha that I had received from the Holy Spirit changed when the dynamic of Chi Alpha changed, and I never sought God out for that vision, for that renewed vision. And so it became apparent to me that I needed to pr focus on praying and asking God what that vision is. And so I began asking God things about Chi Alpha that I hadn't asked since I became the director of Chi Alpha four, four, five years ago, four or five years ago. When I became the director, I'd asked for those visions. I had asked for that uh, future, what that was supposed to look like so that we could begin catering things to that ultimate goal. And when things changed within the group, that vision's going to change just a little bit. And so I need to recenter myself. And so I began asking God small details about Chi Alpha. 
And so tonight is me painting you guys the vision that the Holy Spirit gave me at our light conference. Does that make sense? I know it's super awesome and confusing. One of the things that the Holy Spirit told me while I was at light and while I was uh, focusing on our vision and, and asking God about Chi Alpha and what the future of Chi Alpha was, the Holy Spirit really gave me a gut check. And the one thing the Holy Spirit said, I said, what is it about Chi Alpha that feels like we're stuck where we're at right now? What is the reason for that? And the Holy Spirit just straight up said, it's because Chi Alpha has become a mediocre ministry. Chi Alpha has become a mediocre ministry. Now, I'm not saying that we're lukewarm, very different. I'm not saying that you guys aren't solid Christians. I'm not saying I'm not a solid Christian. Very, very different. This isn't focused on the spirituality. This is focused on our uh, success and, and, and our, our uh, striving for more. He said, Kyle has become a mediocre ministry. And so I said, okay, what is it about Chi Alpha that's mediocre? What, what makes us mediocre? <clears throat> and God began showing me some things about Chi Alpha and, and why we're at where we're at and why we lost so many people last year and we didn't replace people. And I said, how do we fix that? How do we fix being a mediocre ministry? How do we grow into excellence as an excellent ministry? How do we get past mediocrity? And I didn't, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit didn't say, oh, hey, the people in Chi Alpha are so caught up in sin that it's just not going to work. I didn't get anything like that. So don't think I'm calling out sin or anything like that in here tonight. I feel like it's, it's completely different than a sin issue and a lukewarm Christianity issue. It is specifically about us as a body collectively together. And it starts with me as the head of this ministry, and it trickles down to our staff, which then trickles down to our leadership, which then trickles down to the rest of you guys. And the one thing he said was the two things that we're lacking the most as a ministry, as a whole, we aren't praying enough and we aren't praying for another's enough. And then number two, we aren't preaching the gospel outside of our comfort zones, outside of this room as a whole. Now, some of you guys might be doing that, and if you are, awesome. But I feel like this is the Holy Spirit talking to us as a whole collectively. So the two things, again, were we aren't praying enough, and we aren't praying enough for others, and we aren't preaching the gospel outside of our comfort zones. <clears throat> Dr. A.T. Peterson once said, and I'm going to read this quote by Dr. A.T. Peterson, said, there has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. Let me recount what God has done through concerted, united, sustained prayer in America prior to this, prior to this new age that we're in in America. Not many people realize that in the wake of American Revolution, Following 1776 and 1781, there was a moral slump in America. Drunkenness became epidemic. Out of a population of 5 million, 300,000 of them were confirmed drunkards. They were burying 15,000 of them every single year. This is America. Profanity was one of the most shocking kind. For the first time in the history of America, or of the American settlement, 
Women were afraid to go out at night for fear of assault. Bank robberies were a daily occurrence. And what about the churches? This is America. The Methodists were losing more members than they were gaining. The Baptists said that they had their most wintry season. The Presbyterians in general assembly deplored the nation's ungodliness. In a typical congregational church, Reverend Samuel Shepard of Linus, Massachusetts, in 16 years had not taken one person into fellowship. The Lutherans were so languishing that they discussed uniting with the Episcopalians who were even worse off. The Protestant Episcopal, Episcopal Bishop of New York, Bishop Samuel Provost, quit functioning. He had confirmed no one for so long that he decided he was officially out of work and he took up other employment. The Chief Justice of the United States, John Marshall, wrote to the Bishop of Virginia, James Madison, that the church was too far gone to be redeemed. This is America. The church was too far gone to be redeemed. Voltaire, Avert, and Tom Paine echoed, Christianity will be forgotten in 30 years. Take the liberal arts colleges at the time. A poll taken at Harvard had discovered that not one single solitary believer existed in the entire student body. They took a poll at Princeton, a much more evangelical place, where they discovered only two believers in the entire student body and only five that did not belong to filthy speech movement of that day. Only two believers and only five that didn't belong to a filthy speech movement of that day. Students rioted, they held mock com, uh, communion at Williams College, and they put on anti-Christian plays at Dartmouth. They burned down the Nassau Hall at Princeton. They forced the resignation of the president of Harvard. They took a Bible out of a local Presbyterian church in New Jersey, and they burnt it in a public bonfire. Christians were so few on campus in the 1790s that, when they, that they met in secret like a communist cell, and kept their minutes and codes so that no one would know. How did the situation change? It came through a concert of prayer. Revival would break out in America at this point in time, and then now eventually would progress to the point where America, for a long time, was considered a mostly Christian nation. So if America, this America that I just quoted, sounds a lot like America today, the campuses that they're talking about in, this, in these paragraphs sound a lot like our campuses today. And so what changes that? We have to look back through history. We have to look at what has happened in the past. And I can tell you through my studies and through many doctorates of, of history and many scholars who know more about history than I could even fathom to know about history have come to the exact same conclusion that we're going to discuss tonight. That conclusion is that every single revival that has ever existed, period, started with a body of believers who got together and their only focus was on prayer. Period. Every revival that has ever happened started first with prayer. Not first with a sermon, not first with a small group leader that was out preaching with a sign telling people they were going to burn in hell if they didn't believe. No. Every revival that has ever happened started with prayer. 
going all the way back to the very first revival. You can read it in the book of Acts. The first revival to ever occur happened in Acts, and all the disciples were holed up in a room praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit and waiting for the time in which they could go out and begin preaching the gospel. A revival broke out. The modern Pentecostal church, which we go to the Assemblies of God church in town, which is a Pentecostal church. The modern Pentecostal church is rooted in the Azusa Street revival. The Azusa Street revival was a house on Azusa Street that a bunch of people got together and they just decided they were going to stay there and pray until revival broke out. And then, boom, revival broke out on Azusa Street. And an entire ghetto in California was transformed into a Christian neighborhood. I could keep going and talk about all the different revivals that have even gone on here in America, like the Brown Revival, and keep going on. But I think you're kind of getting the picture, and we can move on. So then the second thing let's focus on is that is keeping us uh, mediocre is that we're not sharing the gospel outside of our comfort zones. So if you have your Bibles, I won't ever preach a sermon without having scripture. Turn in your Bibles to Mark 16. It is the last book, or the last chapter in the book of Mark. Mark 16. You want to flip it on the... If you don't have it, it will be on the screen. Mark 16, starting in verse 15. He said to them, this is Jesus, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I'm going to repeat that. He said to them, Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. All these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all, and they will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his words by the signs that accompanied it. I feel like this is extremely important because it is telling us that these are the last words that Jesus said before he ascended to the right hand of God in heaven. After he had died, after he had rose again, he was appearing to the, the disciples, he was appearing to many people. This is the last thing that the scriptures account for, Jesus said, before he went up to heaven. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I feel like that's extremely important for us. As believers in Christ, I feel like for me, if I was leaving and I was leaving people with the church and I was leaving people with uh, the future of Christianity and, and all of redemption of humankind settled upon these 12 people, at this time 11, the disciples. I would make sure my last words counted. I wouldn't just be like, all right, guys, I'll talk to you later. Cool, awesome, you know, have fun. He's very, very specific with what he says before he leaves. 
And I feel like that then translates into us. As believers, we need to key on Jesus' words, his last words that he spoke before he ascended into heaven to the right hand of God. That we, if we're a body of believers, which we are, need to be preaching the gospel outside of this room, outside of our comfort zones, going to all the world. Your all the world is Shadron State College at this point in time. <clears throat> that we should be preaching the gospel outside of that. So I know this sermon is, is a little different and a little disjointed compared to normal. This is a rough sermon because I just wanted to get through that and, and paint the picture for what we are going to do tonight. So we've gone through that. Now we get to the fun part. Everyone take out a piece of paper if you have it. If you don't have it, I have Phil. Would you go grab all of the sheets of paper that I have and a pen? If you get one of these pieces of paper, fold it in half and tear it in half in a clean line if you are able. Raise your hand if you need a piece of paper. Just one, per, one sheet per person. And immediately fold it hamburger style and cut it in half. And if you have a pen, take out a pen. Raise your hand if you need a pen. Okay, I have three pens, so you guys are going to have to share. You can go to the next slide. So everybody should have two pieces of paper, just like this, two separate pieces of paper. Yeah. When you're done, will you hold your pieces up in the air like this? I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Once you have your piece of paper cut in two, take one of the pieces of paper. You will need both pieces. So take one piece of paper. And at the top left-hand corner, write the number one, just like you were going to number it, okay? And then number it, one through ten on the left-hand side. You don't need to leave a whole lot of space. It's just going to be one line per thing. Okay. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you some time. But what I want on this piece of paper is going to be very specific, so I need you guys to listen closely, okay? What I need you to do, and this is, this is something you're going to keep with you for a while, so write legibly and do your best to take your time and focus 
focus in on what the Holy Spirit is telling you. If you're being distracted by each other, find everybody just spread out across the room, actually. Let's just do that. Everybody spread out. What? Okay, well, then you have to wait for a pen. Sorry. I thought I had like 10 pens in my basket, but I did not. I'll look for some more when I go back there. But whether or not you have a pen, everybody spread out. Everybody spread out. Everybody spread out. Everybody spread out. If you're already spread out, you can stay where you're at. But if you're all, if you're next to somebody, spread out. Make sure you have a table or, or not a table. Uh, actually, yeah, spread out wherever you want. I lied. Okay, everybody spread out. Okay. So listen in very closely. Pay as close attention as possible. On your piece of paper, you're going to have it listed number one through ten. What I need you to do is for every single spot on this piece of paper, I need you to write the name of a person. Now, the name of the person is going to be specific, so you need to listen. Every person's name, it needs to be somebody who's at the Shadron State College, who actually goes to school here in Shadron, and does not believe in Jesus Christ. Or at least you don't believe that they believe in Jesus Christ. So every single person, so you're going to come up with 10 names. All 10 names need to be college students here at Shatner State College that do not believe in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if they're your friends. It doesn't matter if they're your uh, enemies. It doesn't matter if they're your resident advisors. They need to be a college student who is enrolled in college and goes to school at this college. Okay, or and does not believe in Jesus Christ. Now write down the number 11. Circle it. Number 11 is different than the rest of the 10. Number 11 needs to be a faculty member who works at the Shadron State College who you believe does not believe in Jesus Christ. Okay? A faculty member, they can be a teacher, they can be a professor, they can be a janitor, they could be a computer person, somebody who is employed by this college and does not believe in Jesus Christ. Okay? You guys good to go? Anybody have questions? Yes. We will share pens. Once you have your name down, yes. As long as they are, look, if you do not believe that if the world ended right now that they would be in heaven with you, then write their name down. It doesn't matter if they're on the path to looking, but if you do not believe they would be in heaven with you, write their name down. Same thing for number 11. Any other questions? Those of you guys that don't have pens, or those of you guys that do have pens, when you get done with your writing of all 11 names, Find somebody who doesn't have a pen and give it to them. I'm going to go out and look for more pens, but is there any other questions while I do that? Take time. Don't just write names willy-nilly. Take a minute. Don't even write a single name, or if you've already written a name, that's fine, but don't write any more names until you've taken a couple minutes and prayed and kind of just ask God what names you need to put down. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide what names you're going to put down, okay? Okay.
just like if you're hitting a roadblock and you can't think of any more names, what I would recommend doing is opening your phone, pulling out Facebook, pulling up a name of somebody else that goes to school here that you know goes to school here and just start looking up mutual friends and just kind of go through a list of people who go to school here who you, have mutual, who you have, might have mutual friends with to go to school here. That's only if you're having a hard time kind of coming up with names. And if you can't come up with 10, I'm not going to make it a big deal, but try your hardest. Even if you just have to pull up Facebook and just randomly pick five people that come to school here, that's fine. Just make sure to your best ability that you come up with 10. And straight up, if you can't do it, that's fine, but try I know not everybody's done yet, but with your second piece of paper, what I need you to do is copy down your list word for word, name for name. So those of you guys that are done, you can be, begin working on your second page. They need to be carbon copies of each other, exact same names, everything. Just copy it down on the other piece if you guys are done. If you're not done, focus on finishing, and then, but then when you do get done, go ahead and copy it over. Those of you guys that are listening at home right now or on your cell phone, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to take a minute and I want you to write down 11 names, 10 names of students who go to college at Shatter State Community College, or Shatter State College, not Community College, Shatter State College, and the 11th name of a professor. I seriously want you to do this if you're sitting at home. I'm not joking. If you're listening to this, I'm talking to you. I'm no longer talking to my students in the room with me. I'm talking to you. Do this. Everybody stand up. If you haven't figured it out yet, obviously one of these lists is for you to keep. One of them is for you to trade with somebody else. The only stipulation is try to trade with somebody who you're not like besties with and you're not super duper close with. Uh, try to trade with somebody that you're not like, that you don't visit with every single solitary day. Just try to make sure that it's somebody that's at least a little bit different from your circle of friends. Uh, us three can trade also, we just can't trade with each other. So go, trade. No, don't put your name on it. If it's already on it, that's fine, but. Has everybody traded with somebody? Yes, no? Okay, somebody trade with Courtney. Even if you've already traded before, trade with Courtney. Don't everybody just jump all at once. <laughs> and Caleb? Uh, 
Yeah, go ahead. Trade that one, the one you have now. Go ahead and trade with Caleb. It doesn't matter if it's if you're mixed with each other. We could have literally gave it to anybody. It doesn't matter. Okay, so everybody has a list, a fresh list that you did not create, correct? And then you have a list that you created, correct? At least one of your two lists needs to be yours. One of the two lists needs to be somebody else's. Okay. Now here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> we spent a, a decent amount of time coming up with these lists. This is our, our goal. These lists are now your responsibility. The names on this list, on all 22 names, are now your responsibility. And what I mean by your responsibility, I mean you need to pray for them at least once a week, all 22 names. You need to pray for them at least once a week. If you have a, a personal prayer time every day, try to pray for them every single day. If your prayer time's a little bit shorter, I'm going to call you out and just say at least once a week. Keep these things like in a place where you're not going to lose them. Keep them in a place where you're going to look at them frequently. If you need to, take some clear tape and tape over it to make sure that they are good to go later on down the road when you guys get home. Whatever you do, do not lose these. You are responsible for these. I am charging these students and this faculty to you. It is your responsibility to be praying for them. It is your burden to be praying for them. I did it with you. I've got a burden of, of 22 names. The other staff members now have a burden of 22 names. Whether we know them or not, we have 22 names. If all you have is first names, that's fine. That person, you still have a burden for that person. The second thing is, while you're praying for them or after you get done praying for them at least once per week, I want you to ask God for an opportunity to share the gospel with these 22 people. Be vulnerable. Ask God for an opportunity to share the gospel with these 22 people. Then pray, God, I ask you to give me the strength and the words to say to reach these 22 people. And so that also means that you've got to be looking for opportunities to share the gospel with these 22 people. Even if you never actually see them, if, if you don't have a single class with them, you don't run into them regularly because you live off campus, they live on campus, whatever. Ask God for opportunities for your paths to cross long enough for you to perhaps share the gospel with them. Does that make sense? So what we're going to do now is just to make sure that we cover it at least one time because I know somebody's going to go and lose their list of 22. I'm just kidding. You're not because I told you not to. But because there's that potential, I want to cover these 22 names in prayer for the next five minutes. For the next five minutes, you are going to pray for each one individually. Don't just say, God, I pray for this list of people. You know the names. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking for specific prayer. And now before we get started, I'm going to share with you guys a story as to why we are doing this. And this why, like I said, you knew what you were doing. I want to give you the why. You remember the video at the beginning? This totally wasn't even on purpose. I picked that video last second, but here we are. Again, this list of 10 names and a faculty member are your responsibility. I want you praying for them at least once a week. Um, these are kind of just kind of going over this again for the two people that just came in. 
I want you going over this list and praying for these people at least once a week. At least once a week. And then I want you asking after you prayed for their salvation individually, prayed for their salvation and prayed for the, the, them and their, their well-being, whatever you want to pray for, whatever you feel led to pray for, then I want you to ask God for an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And then ask God to give you the strength to share the gospel with them. So you guys know what this list is. You guys know what the what is. And like the video at the beginning, I need to give you the why. And here's the why. So while I was at Salt, Stephen Glasser. Stephen Glasser is one of the staff members. Could you turn the sound down? Just go ahead and mute it for now. Stephen Glasser is one of the staff members at NDSU. He told us a story about a list of names that he had come across while looking in some of, some of his old stuff from college. While he was going over the names on this list, he began recounting every single solitary name on there, all the times he had prayed for them, etc., etc. He got a phone call from a friend who was the last name on the list. And that last name called him up and said, hey, I just want to thank you for all of the times that you prayed for me. I know you invited me to Chi Alpha a lot. I know you gave me many opportunities, and I know you prayed for me a lot. And I just want to thank you because as of last week, I gave my life to Christ and I was baptized. That last name completed his entire list. Of his list of people are 10 people who gave their life to Christ after he had written the list. 10 people whose lives were changed. And I'm not saying that their lives were changed because they were put on a list, but their lives were changed because of all the prayer that went into that after their name was put on a list. So you know the why. The why is important. I truly believe that if we can become a, a, a ministry of people who pray, that we can't even fathom the things that God's going to do within this ministry. Not only that, but beyond that, if we can be an individual people who pray, and not only just pray, but pray specifically, that God will show us things down the road that will just blow our minds as to what he did with our prayers. And so now you understand how important these names are. These are the names of future Christians, people who are going to give their life to Christ, whether it's by your hands or somebody else's hands leading them to Christ, specifically in word, your prayers will be behind them. This is a list of 11 people, 10 students, one faculty member. I really want you to believe this is a list of 11 people who will give their life to Christ within your lifetime and within their lifetime. I want you to pray truly believing that. Truly believing that because you have them on a list and because you are praying for them, their lives will change because I promise you, your prayers will not go unanswered. Now, they might not accept Christ because ultimately they have free will, but your prayers will affect them in some way or another. Your prayers are intentional. Your prayers are going to be specific. And hopefully, all 11 names, you can look back 10 years down the road and you can say, hey, I just got a phone call. I can check all 11 names off that list because all 11 of them gave their life to Christ. I want that for every single solitary one of us. And then the other list that you were given from somebody else, I want you to take just as seriously. And the whole reason that I get, had you make the list twice is now you're not the only one praying for those 11 people. 
You are two people agreeing in prayer for these people. So at least once a week, you will be agreeing in prayer for these people. A lot of these people on this list, there's probably a lot of these people on this list that have nobody praying for them. They now have two. Maybe they have a grandma, a grandpa, an aunt or uncle that cares about them. Now they have three. Your prayers will matter. So we're going to spend the next five minutes, five, ten minutes, however long I feel like going. And I want you to pray specifically. Like I said, don't say, I pray for all the names on this list. No, I want you to pray specifically. God, I pray specifically for Josh, that he would come to know Christ while he is in college. I pray that you would interact with him right now in his dorm room or wherever he's at. I pray that you would make your presence known to him, that you would overwhelm him with your presence, that there would be no way that he could deny what you were doing in his life. God, I pray for Braden that you would encounter and continue down the list and pray for all 22 people, your list and the other list. All right, start praying. Okay, for the sake of time, just getting done early, or not early, but at a reasonable time so we can get out of here in time. Mass, everybody stand up, come back to your seats. Just got like two more minutes. And I need you to listen. If even that, just a couple minutes. I have one more thing for you guys to do tonight before I close. Everybody, take out your phone. I know you have it. Take your phone out. If you don't have your phone, I'll believe you. But take your phone out if you have it. For real, take your phone out. Take your phone out. Now pull up your calendar. Okay? Everybody just got your calendar out. So click on November 21st. Okay, November 21st. Everybody got it? Everybody good? Your calendars? November 21st. Then I want you to click on 6 p.m. Add a new event. Go ahead and add a new event at 6 p.m. Everybody got an event added, right? Yeah? Yes? Okay. Now, enter title, name, papal places, whatever that is. I want you to write pray for Chi Alpha and list. You're going to know what the list is. Then I want you to go down to the alarm, or not the alarm, the day thing. So all day, Click more options, click does not repeat, and I want you to repeat every week. Does that make sense? Repeat every week. Then I want you to save it. Bam. So now your month should have a little dot 
on every single solitary Tuesday. So now, when your phone goes off, the alarm sounds, at the very least, you have a reminder to pray for your list of 22 people. But I'm asking you, the reason I had you write pray for Chi Alpha is, I'm sick of being a mediocre ministry. I'm sick of being a mediocre Christian. Now, like I said, I'm not a lukewarm Christian, but I'm not an excellent Christian. Chi Alpha isn't a lukewarm ministry, but it's definitely not an excellent ministry. And the only reason I even say that is because I feel like there's more to do. And I think one of the most important more to do's that we have is specific and joined prayer. So now you have 22 names that you're specifically going to be praying about every single week. You and somebody else will be praying for at least, or actually you and somebody else will be praying for 22 of those names, all 22 of them, every single week at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. The reason I had you put pray for Chi Alpha is I really want us as a body praying specifically for our services on Tuesday nights. I feel like that is one area that our ministry is missing the most. I can feel it. As your pastor speaking, I can feel when people have been praying for my ministry, when people have been praying for my speaking, my service, my sermon, whatever you want to call it, I can feel the difference. When I walk into a church uh, during the summer, some of you guys don't know, during the summer, my wife and I travel around. Well, I'm basically an evangelist and I travel around and I speak at churches every single week. It doesn't matter how big the church is or how small the church is. When I walk into a pulpit, I can feel whether or not that church has prayed for me. I know for a fact when I get ready to speak whether or not that church has prayed for me. I can feel it definitively. And it could be a church of 120, and it could feel dry like nobody's prayed for me. And it could be a church of five, and it feels like I'm on fire, and I can feel the Holy Spirit backing me. I can feel the presence in the room. I can go to another 120 church uh, population, feel the exact opposite. I can go to another five church and feel the exact opposite. I can feel when people have been praying for me and for the ministry. And I can tell you definitively this year, I've felt like nobody has been praying for me and nobody's been praying for the ministry. Now, I know some of you guys have, but I just want to do more. It's not about some of us doing it. It's about all of us doing it. It's not about some of us being excellent. It's about all of us being excellent. I want to be excellent with you guys. And like I said, it starts from the top and trickles down. And so that responsibility lays upon my shoulders and my wife's shoulders first and foremost. It then lays upon the shoulder of our staff, and then it lays upon our small group leaders. And then it still lays upon the rest of you guys that are not small group leaders. The responsibility to pray is still yours. So I had you put that reminder in there. And so I ask you to pray for the service, pray for the sermon, pray for my wife's health, whatever you feel led to pray that week. It doesn't even have to be specifically that. Just whatever you feel led to pray for, for Chi Alpha that week, I ask you to pray for it. And these list of 22 names, I'm not even saying pray that these 22 people will come to Chi Alpha. I'm praying the most specific thing and the most important thing is that they come to know Christ. And hopefully some of them will come to Chi Alpha after. But I want them to come to Christ first and foremost. But your responsibility to Chi Alpha is as a member who attends or as a leader who attends or as a staff who attends or as the director who is 
attending. The responsibility is still on your shoulders. Just as much as it is, well, maybe not just as much, but in the same way that it's upon my shoulders. And so I am giving you guys the responsibility, and I'm asking you guys to pray specifically for Chi Alpha every single week. Take that alarm seriously. If you're busy, take a split second and wait. If you have to pick a different time other than 6, because 6 doesn't work, like maybe Phil, if he has to go to cab, maybe he'll put change his time to 5.30. That's fine. If you have to change it, change it. But don't just delete it. Pray specifically. When that alarm goes off, pray. And do it seriously and do it intentionally. And then when the alarm goes off, pray for this list of names. All right, Lord, we thank you for today. And we thank you for vision. We thank you for direction. We thank you for an ultimate goal. And so, Lord, I pray that each and every single one of these students would begin to get a common vision that you have given us collectively as a body, that we could all take hold of what your vision is for Chi Alpha, that it's not even necessarily my vision, that it's not the staff's vision, that it's not the small group leader's vision, it's not my wife's vision. It is our vision as a body together. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Chi Alpha. I pray that you would begin speaking to them and giving them specific visions for what is in store for this ministry and what their role in this ministry is going to be down the road. I pray that you would give them visions and dreams that only you could do, bigger than they could even think they were capable of, that is, seems out of reach, unfathomable, big dreams, Lord, that you have in store for us and that you have in mind. I pray for every single one of these students that might be struggling here tonight. I know we didn't get to that specific prayer. I pray if there's a student struggling with their faith in here tonight, Lord, that you would surround them with people that would speak positively in their life, that would share you with them, and Lord, that would be able to, to help burden that load, that would help bear that load. Lord, we thank you, and it is in your name we pray. Amen.